Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Big ol' hello to you today. I'm so glad that you're listening to the show, and I hope... Well, actually, more than hope, I I prayed that you're going to be blessed by this episode and encouraged, kind of shored up, bolstered in your faith, just because you stopped by the Burton Not Ernie Show and listened to episode number 140. You know, God has so much in store for his people. And as we study his word, as we have it in our Bibles, right, and literally take him at his word, believe what the Bible says, take God at his word, we're going to find ourselves in, I guess, like our sweet spot. And, you know, I'm not just saying that. I really, really, truly believe it every day. I believe it. The older I get, the more I believe it. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The same Lord who said he's the way, the truth, and the life is the Lord who's going to keep his every promise, every one, every single one. I know the one in whom I have trusted. He is good. He is faithful. He is powerful. And he is holy. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing via the Edify app. This is episode number 140. Holiness. You know, I feel like I have said this so many times the last few weeks. Holiness matters like a lot, a lot, lot, lot. God has called us to holiness. So we need to pursue that to which we have been called. I'm going to say that again, because that was kind of a long sentence, but um, it's, it's an important sentence. It needs to be said, probably honestly needs to be said more often than it is said. God has called us to holiness. So holiness is what we need to pursue because that's what he has called us to. Let's pursue that to which we have been called. And as regards to this series on the Burt Not Ernie Show, it's holiness. H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S, holiness. Because the one who called us did the calling. Am I right? So he's the one who calls the shots. He's the one who answered the call to go to the cross in our place. We can answer his call on our life. He's the caller. He calls the shots. Look, I don't want my life to be so focused on this life. And you know what I mean by that. The things of this world, the things that can feel like overwhelming or totally consuming. I don't want to miss out on heeding God's call to live a holy life because I'm, I guess, for lack of a better word, distracted by my temporary life. I'm a pilgrim here. I'm not going to live eternally the way that I'm living right now. I'm not going to be in this mortal body. I'm going to get 
a new perfected body. I'm going to get to see my Savior face to face. I don't want to be so focused on the things of this world that I just miss it. You know, it doesn't matter if I miss it by an inch or miss it by a mile or miss it by a thousand miles. If I miss it, that's too bad. Like really for me, too bad. Like it's bad, actually bad. I, you know, I want to heed God's call to live a holy life. But here's the thing. Here's the like catch 22, if you will. I can't do that on my own. I do not have the ability to be holy in my own strength. Jan's own strength is, um, it's kind of, it's very weak. It's very, it's pretty lame. It's not, it's not anything worth even like, it's just, that's garbage basically is what my strength is, my own strength. I have to depend completely on the Holy Spirit to work out holiness in me. So where's my sweet spot in this whole catch 22 then? I'm going to tell you, it's living my life out day by day, depending on the Holy Spirit, yielding my weaknesses to him, knowing that when I am weak, because of him, then I'm strong and expecting him to make it possible for me to live a holy life because he's called me to do that. He's going to do the impossible for me, in me, through me, in spite of me. Anything that draws me to the Lord and keeps me right up there, just super close and personal with him. I have grown over the years to view that as a tremendous gift, a blessing from the Lord. Does it keep me close to Jesus, this whole inability to fully be holy the way that he's called me to be holy? Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. So do I like that? Yeah, actually, I really do. It's a good thing. That's my sweet spot. The call to holiness and my own in the flesh inability to answer the call to holiness that puts me in a position where I've got to stay ultra close to the Lord so that he can work out his call to holiness in my life. It's really it's a win-win. And I mean that. Like it's actually literally a win-win. There's a verse in the New Testament book of Hebrews. And I'm going to read it uh, I'm going to read it in two versions today. First from the King James version and then the New Living Translation. This is this is a powerful verse. This is one of the most powerful verses in the New Testament. I I think um for me personally, maybe that's just me personally. Maybe that's just where I've been convicted by the Lord, uh, maybe it just hit me smack dab between the eyes. But I think probably there are other people who would say, yep, that's a powerful verse. So let me read it first from the King James, then the NLT. And uh, you you see what you think about whether or not this is a powerful verse. Okay, here we go. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. All right. Okay, let's let's jump over to the NLT. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So here on the podcast, the Burt Not Ernie Show, you hear me mention that little word will, W-I-L-L, quite often, fairly regularly. It's important to note that when a verse uses that word. When a verse in the Bible states that something will or will not happen, like God has made a promise or God has said, if you do X, Y, Z or fail to do X, Y, Z, something will not happen. He really means it. He actually means it will or will not come to pass. Like will means will, just like all means all. This is really actually encouraging, like almost like on a crazy level, crazy encouraging when we can remember Sometimes we got to hit pause on the craziness of life just to pause and remember 
that one simple truth. When we find a promise in God's word, and it uses that word will, and we really grab hold of it and we believe it, and we remember that will means will. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. That really fuels our belief. Literally, we'll, we'll find it being fanned into flame. It sets our hearts ablaze within us, and that's a very good thing. It takes us from saying we're believers, yeah, I'm a believer, to living, believing lives, which is phenomenal. I'm telling you, I keep using that phrase, the sweet spot. That's the sweet spot for a disciple of Jesus. So when God says he will not do something, when he says will not, that should also set something ablaze within us. A conviction to do or to not do whatever God is saying there in that particular passage of scripture. Disobedient children. Have you ever been around a disobedient child or several disobedient children? Have you ever been one yourself? Maybe when you were younger, you were a disobedient child. When you find yourself surrounded by, I'm just going to use the word pack, by a pack of disobedient children, you kind of become fully aware that nobody else is in charge. Because once parents have abdicated their God-ordained parental role, man, things get wild and they usually get wild pretty quickly. It's just kind of backwards and it feels backwards because it is backwards. It's out of sorts and it's out of control. All sorts of just messed up when the kids are like a wild pack of disobedient small people. It's, it's not God's order, and we know that he is a God of order, not of disorder or chaos. And you can, you can look that up in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. Read the whole verse in its entirety, and you, know, you always want to be willing, ready, um, and just actually a lot of the time just do it. Open your Bible and verify what people say the Word of God says. I try to give references like the address, you know, where can you find this in the Bible? Find it in the Bible. I try to tell you where you can find it in the Bible because it matters. Biblical literacy matters a lot. It should matter to all of us. So don't take me at my word. First Corinthians 14, 33 talks about God being a God of, of order, not of chaos. Always read verses in their entirety if you, if you, if you need to, if you feel so led. And even sometimes just to like follow up, it can be really good. As I don't want to say a refresher, it can more like be a cementer. It can cement the word of God in your heart and mind to say sometime Sunday afternoon, maybe, or, you know, Monday morning or Wednesday, maybe during family devotions, review the text that was preached about at church on Sunday. What your kids learned about in youth group? Review those texts. Why not? What can be the harm? Zero harm, only good can come from it. So we want to be people, students of the word. We want to be like the Bereans who the book of Acts tells us. They they checked it all out, man, per the word of God, to verify if what these people were teaching was actually true and lined up with the word of God. That is a fantastic way to live. Okay, so disobedient children, they're kind of unruly, living in sort of a state of chaos. And spoiler alert, they usually don't like it. They might act like they like being in charge, but it's um, it's a little uncomfortable when they have no boundaries, no leadership, no guidance. It's kind of a scary feeling. So lest you ever think, oh, they just like it that way. Uh, ooh, they actually probably are not totally secure because they don't have the security of good, solid biblical parenting. So, okay. So 
Disobedient children are often unruly, living in a state of chaos. It comes with the territory, if the shoe fits and all that, right? Or to quote Toy Story, I think it's Toy Story 2, if the boot fits. I think that's what cowgirl Jessie says. Look, if, if it... If it looks like and walks like it talks like, it probably isn't, right? Like, so unruliness comes with disobedience. God is not one to parent us in a manner that has ever or will ever warrant unruly disobedience, period. If we disobey, it's on us. It's not on him. He is the perfect father. He is the perfect father. There's great comfort in Jesus's parable of, um, it's often referred to as the prodigal son, but it's the third in a series of three parables that were all addressed to a specific people group. And um, I think you could argue fairly, I mean, I think you're fair to argue the point that uh, the older brother might be um, the real focus of of the story based on the audience that Jesus was talking to. So, but in that story, it doesn't matter if you're the older brother or the younger brother in that parable, Jesus told the father represents God as father and he's a perfect parent. And yet, and yet he will run out to greet us when we turn back to him, no matter how just, you know, raunchy we've been living our life. However, the older brother who sat outside, who came around and said, what's all this about? There's a party. Well, your, your brother who was lost has been found. He has come home again and we are rejoicing. Come in and celebrate. And he, then his dad comes out and says, come in and celebrate. He didn't respond to the servant. He just stays outside. And so the dad, the father comes out, come inside. And you know what his response is? I have only ever always obeyed you. That's interesting because right there in that moment, he was disobeying the very one that he said, I have always only obeyed you. We need to constantly be willing to let the Holy Spirit examine our hearts, lest we become so foolish and blind that we really convince ourselves, I always only obey God. I would never disobey him. And he's saying this thing right here, right here, obey me in this. Come inside, he was saying to the brother. No, I won't. I will not do it because I'm not like him and I'm not disobedient. Whoa, sound familiar? Any conviction there? I get convicted when I read that story. In case you didn't notice, that's a convicting passage of scripture for me. So, okay, so he's the perfect, perfect parent our father is. Our heavenly father is the perfect father. Nowhere around that fact. You cannot blame unruly behavior on him. It's not his fault. It just isn't. If this verse from Hebrews is what he wants from us, and it is because it's in the word of God, it tells us it tells us it's what he wants from us, right? I mean, it very clearly says that we are to work at living a holy life, work at living in peace with everyone. So if this verse in Hebrews is what he wants from us and we don't even try to obey, we are by definition being disobedient. Work at living in peace with everyone. Okay, everyone. Okay, Lord, because you say so, I'm going to get after this and I'm going to trust you to help me where I need helping because everyone, that's a tall order. Help me. I want to obey. That's a heart that's not disobedient. That's not an unruly, rebellious heart. And then it goes on to say, and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Work at this, my friend. Put in some serious effort. Effort. That's what work is. Work has an actual definition, and we totally understand that as it relates to 
the place that we go five days a week in exchange for a paycheck and health benefits, a retirement plan, and so on, et cetera, et cetera. We know what work is. We know what work is. We know what it means to work. We just don't act like that word means what it actually means when it comes to our own personal walk with Jesus. We read that verse and go, yeah, yeah, that's a good verse. That's a good verse. Yeah. So are we working at it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm working at it. Like, what are you actually doing then in the working at it? Are you doing anything? Are you even doing any yielding? Have you prayed about this verse? Like, where's the work? Where's the actual work part of the work in this verse? Am I stepping on anybody's toes today? I feel like I probably am. Honestly, I feel like I'm like stomping on the broad part of your foot just as hard as I can with like a stiletto heel and digging it in there. That's how I feel this episode. Like mashing all the buttons, bringing up emotions maybe. But isn't that what God's word does at times? If you and I are never like startled and kind of awakened from our slumber, awake, oh, you sleeper. If, if, there's, if there's not any area of our life ever where we just never get like woken up, maybe we're not allowing the Bible to penetrate our hearts. Maybe we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us about what we're reading when we open up our Bibles. If we can go to work day after day for earthly provision, and that's what we go to work for, if we recognize and then we act on the importance of work as it pertains to this temporary life, why don't we work hard spiritually speaking? And that impacts eternal life. I'm not talking about a workspace salvation. That is not a thing per the word of God. According to the Bible, a workspace salvation, it isn't a thing. Jesus paid it all. I want to make that completely clear. I want to be a thousand percent clear on this. I am not ever going to advocate a workspace salvation. So that is not what I'm saying here. That was the, our salvation is a hundred percent Jesus. My salvation, I did nothing to earn it, nothing to attain it. After my salvation, my free gift that was so costly, cost me nothing, cost him everything. I am now responsible to spend my time investing in my relationship with my Savior, maturing in Christ, yielding to him to be sanctified. You know, one of the ways that we do that is by reading and then by believing the word of God, right? I mean, like if we take Jesus seriously, we take our salvation seriously, let's not read it and turn it into just a checklist. Like what happened to that fire when you first got saved? You first realized who Jesus was and what he had done for you, the gift you'd been given. Like it's not a checklist reading the Bible. It's it's my relationship with my Savior. It's one of the ways I invest in it, right? Like I when I open the Bible, I'm like, it's my it's his love letter to me. It's critical. It's exciting. It's powerful. You know, and in the Bible, here in the book of Hebrews, we're just flat out told to work at living a holy life. I'm not given a pass on this. I'm just not. If I am dishonoring the Lord via my sinful, blatant, outrageously non-Christ-like behaviors, I'm not going to get a pass for that. Holy living is what I am called to. And that call, it doesn't in any way, shape, or form negate the fact that my salvation was obtained completely by Jesus at Calvary. The two don't fight against each other. It's about maturing in the Lord. Living a holy life matters because God said it does. In fact, he said, he said so, so strongly that it says those who are not holy will not see the Lord. This is like so serious. It's like freak us out a little bit kind of serious, or it should be. 
it says, will not. You will not see the Lord. God is not playing here. We must follow holiness, as it says in the King James Version. Follow it. Get after it. Don't let it be far off in the distance. Keep close to it. Let's view holiness properly and no longer make excuses within the church or within our own lives, our own homes, our own families for a lack of a holy pursuit. Can we all just agree that in light of the word of God and in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that holiness is actually really important and that maybe we've done a really lousy job as the westernized church of actually acknowledging or living like holiness matters, especially, dare I say it, in the last 100 years? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Nobody else has to say it with me. I'm going to say it. I can be I can be the bad guy for everybody else, okay? Like, I'll say it. We're not great at this, but we need to really work at it because God's word says to follow peace, keep pace with it. You know, that's a simple way to say live right, live holy, follow, follow, follow holiness and keep pace with it. Don't be lagging in this area. You cannot be a person of peace for other people. You can't be. I can't do it on their behalf. You cannot be a person of holiness for other people. I can't do it on their behalf. If you're a parent, your children are still at home, you can set an example and you get to lead as the the leader, the matriarch and patriarch of the home. However, I can't do it for them. I can't do it on their behalf. I can't go in their stead and be peaceful or be holy or like, I can't, I can't do that for them. But as far as it depends on you, be a man or woman of peace. Work at it, says the New Living Translation. That sounds a lot like put in some effort. Peace and holy living matter to the Lord. So they both need to matter to us, his children, his people. Do we A, understand holiness, and do we B, value holiness? Our lives are going to reveal the answer to both questions. They just do. It's just out there for everybody to see. The answer to whether or not we understand holiness and do we value holiness, it's, it's evident in our lives. There's no need to try and hide it or pretty it up. This isn't a test that we're able to cheat on. Our lives provide the answer. It's clear. Like it or not, it's just the way it is. If you are in hot pursuit of something, you're following it, right? Like if we don't value something, we're not going to pursue it. And we're certainly not going to pursue it with any fervor. Hot pursuit does not describe lukewarmness in our lives. People in pursuit of something, they're going after it to obtain it, to overtake it, to accomplish the end goal. Let's be like that. Like we're, Let's drive on the highway of holiness like it's the Autobahn and we're in a Bucati or a McLaren or a Aston Martin or a Gordon Murray. Like, let's get after this thing. Let's just James Bond this thing up. Let's get after it like that. Can you imagine driving a Bugatti? Let's, let's pursue holiness like we are chasing after it in a Bugatti or a Gordon Murray. Wear the tread off the tires, my friends. Like that kind of fervency is what this verse indicates. How, how can I say that? Because it says without it, we're not going to see the Lord. This is a big deal. This is a huge deal. Drive until the, the wheels fall off this sucker and then grab a bicycle and ride it until your legs give out and then walk and then crawl. Do what you got to do, but don't stop. Don't stop holiness. I think the church and the world as a whole need a whole lot more of it. Alrighty, that is it for today's episode. But I want to encourage you 
Take a couple of minutes to pause and pray. Talk to the Lord about whatever your current biggest, most looming need is. Listen for his reply. Maybe open the notes app in your phone and and write some things down as you hear him speaking to you. He might just even give you, I've heard of people who just get like a boom, this, uh, they'll get like an address in the Bible, like go to, I don't know, I, it could be anything, Exodus eleven twenty four, And I, I don't even know what Exodus eleven twenty four says. I'm just giving an example. If, if the Lord, you know, leads you, if the Holy Spirit leads you to a verse that will really comfort you and encourage you at your point of need, that's a beautiful gift. But I tell you what, we're not going to get that if we never slow down enough to ask and then listen for an answer. Listen for his reply, for his guidance, his wisdom, and listen for his hope and his help because he has help for you. He has hope for you. He has wisdom for you. He has an answer for you. So take time to talk to him and then to listen. And next time in episode 141, we're going to dig into God's promises and we're going to grab hold of hope. We're going to grab hold of hope in a big way because I think we need it right now. We need it. Like, Think of it as like, I'm going to be over here being the hope dealer. Like, that's my goal. Like, you want to meet me on the corner and uh, I got a jacket full of like down and deep in the pockets. I got, I got hope and I'm dealing hope today. Okay. That's a really ridiculous goal, but I mean, a ridiculous analogy, but um, that's my goal to be a hope dealer just by pointing you to Jesus, right? In the meantime, keep living all in for Jesus. Cause I tell you what, on that day, When you meet him face to face, you will not regret, not for one millisecond, the choice to go all in living for him. All right. Lord bless you. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.